Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. Let's talk. So you have a slew of clients right now. I You're do. Doing I have very a well. List. Yes. How how long a waiting list do you have? Um, is it going to be many sessions before they'll be able to see you? It's a, it's about a month now for the next one. Ooh. For, for the next new one. It's about a month because I don't want to start them off and then say to them, the next session is going to be two to three weeks after that. I'd rather wait until no. there's a, a break where they can see me regularly and weekly. Right. The, the issues they're seeing me for is something that I would treat over several weeks. Right. And this um, is, these are the clients that are coming from one particular source. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it's that, a, that can be, you can explain to the person referring them that that's yeah. the deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that person yeah. knows. But also, it's with that kind of thing that I'm doing with them, repetition is of the essence. So it's mm -hmm. like same day, same time, each day, yeah. you know, each, each week. That's good. <laughs> good. I've gone into the other thing I was doing. I had a, a bunch of people come. I don't know. I don't think I'm advertising in a particular cycle, but I have mm. a whole bunch of people making ICs and making appointments. And I have people for a, a month or two, but of course, unfortunately, hypnosis works so fast that they mm. can't stay with you forever. No, of course so, not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm now um, finishing up. I finished with one person. I've got two others that, that are towards the end of their sessions mm. and nothing on the horizon. Oh, and yet I've had that. Well, I've had, no, that's not true. I've had some people contact me and say, I will, because they'll, they're in my world for other reasons. Mm. And and they've said, I, I'll be calling you to have an appointment um, with you soon. Right. Okay. But, uh, you know, not uh, not the, um, but it's, it's very strange, very ebb and flow. I get a whole yeah. bunch of people at once and then nobody for a while. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, though, it's like you, you teach your clients um, self-hypnosis techniques, don't you? Of course. So I, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. And I provide audio for them to listen to. And yet I do still have a, a handful of clients, let's put it that way a handful who still like to come and see me about once a month or once every six weeks um, mm -hmm. just for the therapeutic relaxation that, you know, yeah. they feel is better done in person or, or on Zoom as it happens. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like, I, I don't know, it, for, for them, it, I wouldn't say it's the highlight of them, but it's something that they look forward to. Are those um, mostly confidence clients? Um, yeah, confidence and anxiety. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple who who... I think rather would rather like let's go for coffee, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> rather than therapy. But it is it's the conversational, the 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 sense of being understood that is important. It, it is, yeah. And of course, I mean, we're both very strong on the the pre-talk, the part of the session before the actual hypnosis, mm -hmm. aren't we? We're both very strong on that. And I I think every time I do see a client who I'm seeing, you know, every few weeks, just for as they call a top up, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. it, you can still glean more from them in that um, first part of the session, in that conversation, in that pre-talk. You can still get those little light bulb moments. You can still help them right. recognize something else about themselves. And I think sometimes mm. clients realize that things that have been niggling them, but they were 
You got problems with glasses? <laughs> yeah, I know they're a lot tighter. I was just noticing. I hate this thing looking at myself in the camera. <laughs> um, well, we can do a session on that, Martin. Uh, <laughs> Thank the, you. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, it's, it's like if, if, you, if a big problem is gone, mm. you have the energy to look at the little problems, the little things that you might want to change. So uh, that tends to be the way people come to me, they, they've got one issue and we work it out that they've got this and this and this as well. But we go sequentially, let's get rid of the big problem and then the little one and the little one. But mostly things are by the fifth or sixth session, all of it's you know gone yeah, and they I, know how I, to hypnotize themselves if mm, they need to. I've had it though with, um, I can think of two instances with people with fear of public speaking. And mm. that's something I, I tend to do in about three or four sessions and with with a mental rehearsal and everything for the it's usually for a specific event right um and then they've come back to me afterwards and said oh well can you help me with xyz yes sort of mm -hmm. thing because when, when you're doing it for one particular like you say one big thing like fear of public speaking or something and then they get up there and they do their public speaking they do that event and it all goes well for them then obviously they've got their own proof that it worked for them they know beyond right. any doubt so then yeah, they will start asking about small, as you say, smaller things. Yeah, well, that, I mean, they're them. and they're not necessarily that small, but they mm. just weren't the thing that was front and center of the yeah. problem for them. Yeah, often with public speaking, that's to do with their career, mm. and obviously, if you if you the people I have seen, it's but they've reached a certain level of management, and they need mm. to be able to do those presentations or they're not going to advance. And mm. obviously that takes up a lot of real estate in your head. <laughs> if you're worrying about how your career is going. Yeah. Um, well, well, that's it though. When you've got something like public speaking, and I know from um, experience with various clients, it is that the whole career is going flashing in front of them just before they get on stage. Mm -hmm. you know, if it's something that's a big event for their company or their boss is there or something like that. Yeah, they, yeah. They've, they've said, oh, I can, I can imagine my whole life flashing in front of me, my whole career, you know, there's my job on the line. And, and of course, they get more wound up, more wound up. And it's like, no. Yes. <laughs> As you say so often, breathe. Breathe <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> so are you going to be backpedaling on any of your outreach to the public whilst you've got this, this list? Because um, if you're already, if you're already behind with mm. clients are you are you going to end up being two months three months four months you no, know no, so no, no. have to wait that um, long no because i'm now that i've been going you know through the cycle over the year um mm -hmm. summer goes quiet anyway so i'm not expecting to okay. more new inquiries over the summer unless i get any more for fear of flying mm, extra time of the year it is do you are you planning on taking some downtime yourself will you be cutting back oh i'm going to belgium in september lovely yeah so you can go straight through the summer and then take the shoulder time to be yeah no I've, it's, well actually it's the end of august the end mm. of august we've we've been summoned to a family event <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. of course there's no cat here now that was too old to go mm -hmm. in the cat's home and now he's just no longer with us so um nick said he's going over there so i said yeah i'm coming with you yep fair enough yep oh well you'll be gone a week no, and I'm going over for the weekend. Oh, okay. I've got courses to deliver either side of it. Uh, Nick's. Ah, uh, so you're not week. taking time off. That was well, the question. Are oh, you going to have time off? 
you're going to have a break, but you're not going to really have a vacation. No, but I'm having all <laughs> Christmas and New Year off. And I know we're only in July, okay. but it'll soon be on us. It will be. It will be. So you're actually you're just going to shut shop for, yes. for that period of time? I am absolutely shutting shop for Christmas and New Year, yes. Good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, now, there's an interesting question. And if I don't, when you can scream at me. <laughs> I'll be happy to. What? How will you manage... <clears throat> excuse me. How will you manage that expectation of your clients that you'll be there? Will you, will you, when you take on a new client, say end of November, mm. and you say, okay, and and we'll, I'll see you up until December twentieth, and then I won't see you until the new year. Yeah. Or okay, it, it just... will be, but I, obviously every client's unique, every client's individual, so their treatment will be tailored for them. And mm -hmm. I, if it means me making um, some extra audios or something for them during that Christmas and New Year period, so mm -hmm. be it. Um, ultimately, ultimately, if it was a case where it was vital to their well-being, um, even if it was away, you know, these days, you can meet them. Yeah, I can still meet them on Zoom. It's only it's literally an hour out of my day then. Um, right. You know, I can't. I wouldn't take the laptop to the beach somewhere, but. I can still um, I can still help them while I'm on holiday. Yeah, we're hoping um, we want to visit one of our sons who who lives in Arizona. Mm. We want to go in late September, early October. It's it, the the weather is <laughs> better right now. Parts of Arizona temperature is 120, so I definitely don't want to go there. Yeah, see, yeah. I, when I think of oh, Arizona, he's up a mountain, desert. so it's not that. No, you're right. me, telling me he's, last year snow. He's he's mostly. At around the 70s and 80s right now but mm. they don't have ac and he's not terribly happy at 80 but um we want to go there and that that if francisco's still working for the same firm because he does contract work he may mm. not he may be done in which case we can go for however long um but if he can work remotely and i can work remotely i would go for longer mm. and just see clients through my laptop yeah i don't know if i'd want to see a new client that way because it's not as i mean i i I just, it's a bigger size. I can see their facial expressions easier yeah. on, the, on the proper computer. But for all my long-standing clients, I think that might be good. Mm. Um, but anyway, we'll see. But yes, I am going to take some downtime in the fall as well. But mm -hmm. most of the summer is taken with however many clients show up. Who know? I may have a month off. This I've got two people who won't be done until September. But several, at least with you know, with the program that they're doing with mm. me. So we shall see. We shall see. Are you still writing for your newspaper? I'm writing for three newspapers now. <laughs> <laughs> do you see do you see a direct correlation between that and seeing clients? Or is it mostly just I, street I, street cred for the people who are referring? I, they, I, some of them must have found you that way. Yeah, I, I think it's just the general awareness thing. I mean, mm. what, what is it they say in advertising? People have got to sort of see you 11 times or something before they... Yeah, certainly you know, more than seven, like yeah. Touch points, yeah. they call it, don't they, these days? Because mm. it's on your phone. Um, <laughs> I think it's just the general awareness people have. I mean, I, I get different approaches for different things. Oh, yeah, funny thing happened the other day. Um, <laughs> a public relations company got in touch with me. Oh. Okay, asking if my contact details were correct so they could send me things about mental health and well-being from their clients if I wanted to publish them. <laughs> they were approaching me as a writer. Oh. 
you know, in the same way you might pitch something to a newspaper. Yes. Well, okay. They so they were pitching me as the newspaper. You see. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure what your contract with the newspaper is then, if you're going to be using other people's material. Well, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Well, that's what I, I, I sort of put them in the picture. No, actually, I, I write mental health and well-being. Um, you know, about my own thoughts and support and information. I don't. Uh, you know, don't know if they were. I, well, I don't know because I, I yeah. ended the conversation. <laughs> so I get a lot of PR people contacting me, and they clearly clearly haven't read anything I've actually written. They've just yeah. grabbed it off a directory. Yeah. Well, this is, I thought at first, oh, PR, they're trying to see if they could do some PR for me, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. No, it was for their clients to, and they were approaching me as a writer for a newspaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anything interesting happened in your week then? No, I've with got... therapy, you know. It, connected it, with hypnotherapy, no. I've got, well, I've had three clients who been thrilled and and that's been very nice um and i will probably be touching base with a couple of physicians who have referred clients because they're coming to the end of their sessions mm. so i'll be able to give a, a little report back mm -hmm. which i always get you know permission to contact their doctors so mm. hopefully that will generate some more referrals yeah and uh as they get more success stories that they can say to their patients you know yeah well, i had a patient that helped with this and that yeah yeah i mean you, you can have psychiatrists and other doctors that believe in hypnotherapy endorse hypnotherapy um but it's better when they can say and, and this hypnotherapist has treated right. xyz number of my patients and you know got great results sort of thing oh and the other thing i forgot to tell you i'm just trying to find it on my phone bear with us viewers and listeners i've been invited onto a podcast Oh, <laughs> which one? <laughs> um, I was just trying to find the name of it. It's a health and fitness one, and they wanted to talk to me about hypnotherapy and weight loss. Oh, good. So I said, "Yes, I'm your man." <laughs> I'll, I'll have to let you know how that goes. Perhaps we could put a link to it in our show notes. <laughs> Absolutely. When when will this be occurring? Do you think? I'm having a conversation with them tomorrow morning, um, with a view to then setting a date for recording. Uh, so probably won't be in these show notes. It'll be in no, future, uh, future, future episodes. Notes. Yeah. Future episodes. I'll keep watching. <laughs> Good. And that wasn't somebody you know. No, no. Contacted me right out of the blue. Excellent. Like some health and Great. fitness podcast um, ran by one person. I've not got the details to hand. Otherwise, I, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm having a conversation with them tomorrow morning with a view to then you know if we agree everything then booking a date to record it so excellent because i'm presuming he wants to know about more more about how hypnotherapy works for people who mm -hmm. want to lose weight or get a control yeah. of their eating habits which is what it's really about it's not about the food is it it's about no, it's not a, well it's a diet in the sense that that which you habitually eat is mm. your diet but is not diet, dieting yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm saying though the the issues why people eat more than they need to to maintain mm -hmm. body weight are rarely anything to do with the food itself. Almost never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have I only have one weight client at the moment, but I'm sure there will be others in the near future. There's certainly been several, <laughs> and it's such a common theme with. When I listen, when I read anything about it, it just seems to be that the whole diet culture is aimed at women so squarely. Mm. 
Well, yeah, there's more and more at men these days as well. I mean, you look at the cover of Men's Health magazine. Okay. You've generally got somebody with the body beautiful, eight-pack, perfect muscle, everything, you know. Mm -hmm. What that person has to do to achieve that body? Wrapping themselves it's in clean full, and going to bed. It's a full-time job. Yeah. Let's yeah. that way. It, yeah. it's, After you turn about 18. Yeah, it's just not real. <laughs> it's just not real. Nobody looks like that. It's the same as when you see scantily clad, beautiful women with the perfect, oh, sorry, let me put that in inverted commas, deemed perfect figure. Yes. Um, you know, naturally, they are very, very few and far between mm -hmm. with that kind of shape. You know, it, it, it takes obsessive amounts of work. It's not just a matter of saying it takes work. It takes obsessive amounts of work, doesn't it? And these days, of course, lots of surgery for a lot of people. Yes, quite probably. Mm. But more concerning is the fact that people feel unhappy with their weight simply because yeah. they're constantly told they should be unhappy with their weight. Yeah. And, and yet, okay, let's look at the food industry. And food, mm -hmm. food manufacturing. Okay. The manufacturers of all foods, their job is to make it as attractive as possible to you. So you buy as much of it as possible because their job is just to sell you the food. And they're not bothered how much of it you eat. No, as long as you put it in the fridge briefly before you throw it away. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the other issue is, should we be talking about food manufacturing? No, mm. we should grow it <laughs> and then slaughter it if necessary or pick it and mm -hmm. cook it. Um, the, the use of hyper-processed, ultra-processed foods mm. are really a big issue. Right, okay. In, in weight in general. Just, just just something out of interest actually because as you as you know okay yeah I, I lost loads and loads of weight but i am not what i would say obsessive about my food anymore now and again mm -hmm. i will eat something that's classed as you know crap food and that's fine because i quite mm -hmm. like the taste of it like a nice kebab or something like that now nick this morning decided to cook a pizza it was a frozen pizza he bought i won't say the brand name because it's big in mm -hmm. america as well and i don't want the ass suing off me um but it was a certain brand of pizza very very famous cooked it in the oven said to me do you want some i said yeah okay i'll have some mm -hmm. i've not had one for years because i'm not a great pizza lover and i bit into it and i suddenly realized how sweet they taste it's like the amount of sugar that must be pumped into that it was like mm -hmm. jam on toast it was that sweet. <laughs> it was supposed to be pepper. The sweetness, the, the sweetness is coming from the tomato because yeah. tomato is a fruit. I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I know, but they're not that sweet naturally, Denise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was like it tasted like jam on toast with pepperoni. <laughs> mm -hmm. and it, Interesting combination. <laughs> yeah, because I've not eaten one for ages. Yeah, right. I, I wasn't a, never a great pizza lover. Not well, that's, thing. that's fish the and thing. Chips, yeah, fish and chips. Yeah, kebab and chips. Yeah, that's my kind of thing. Never a great but, pizza. But the thing is, whenever you haven't had a food for a while, mm. it suddenly tastes very, very different. Yeah, I, it wasn't pleasant. It was like, it just did, tasted now, did, so manufactured. Nick Nick eats pizza on a regular basis. Oh, did yeah. he have the same response to it? <laughs> no, no, no look it, was at gone, you? it was gone before he'd looked at it. <laughs> but then he probably burns off around 6,000 calories a day anyway. Because mm -hmm. he's always outside gardening. Or working, yeah. And he has well, a that's the job, so that's a, a lot of. I I don't see previous athletes. Some of the people I've seen have been a, a decade or two before have been athletic in their high school and college years, mm. 
when you're a professional or serious footballer, mm. whether American or a British version of football, you burn a lot of calories yeah. and you need to eat a lot more. Yeah. The trouble is that the social aspects of that don't dissociate. And so when you're still being social with people and watching TV on TV versions of football, they're still eating as if they're playing. And yeah. Thereby. Yeah. And it's also, it's where you get those calories from. If you're an athlete and you need 7,000 calories a day, you're not going to eat three great big family sized pizzas, are you, to get those calories? You're going to eat a lot not of usually. chicken breast, a lot of steak, a lot of eggs, a lot of whatever, mm-hmm. um, or, or even a lot of pasta if they need carbs. True, but even if if you continue to eat healthy food mm. in such huge quantities and not be exercising, it's going to be a problem. But the problem is dissociating food from the social aspects of it. Mm. You want to be social. Meals should be. You should eat. I have a, a client at the moment who is successfully dropping weight and and. He's a very active person. He's and he's very social, mm. but he eats by himself. Okay, because he he feels that eating alone, small portions and without any other distraction, including conversation, mm. is helpful to him. And he will then join the family or get or friends and watch them eat, and he can hold court while he's doing that. Okay. And it works for him, and so far nobody's complained bitterly that he's not joining them. Really, <laughs> so no, okay. I mean, maybe uh, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the person, but it sounds as if it could lead to something a little bit obsessional. Um, if he would, yeah, to... and that's his that's his concern. That's why he's with me, and yeah. he knows that that will work. But I don't know if he if he if he would want if he would want it to be sustainable, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would suggest that in time, he starts to, on one meal out of four, have it sat with the rest of them and then build it up from there, see mm-hmm. how it goes. It's like anything, I mean, I, we, we're both big advocates of the fact that there is no one size fits all with the therapy we do, is there? Right. You know, every single client is unique. And that... yep. Frustratingly <laughs> so at times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are so many similarities. I mean, yeah. it's it's it. Like I said, there I, there's no woman who tells you that she's perfectly happy with her body, mm. mostly because she's been told she's not happy with her body by society, but very few people really are, whether they have cause or not. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, that's but for different good. reasons, it's a different voice in their head. The messages yeah. are very similar, but it's a different voice. In their head. Yeah, I mean, it is. There, there is far more pressure on women. In mm-hmm. terms of looks, in terms of their body shape, in terms of everything, um, there, there is far more. I feel far more pressure on mm-hmm. women than on men. Um, but you know, a lot of this stuff's catching up now with men, Denise, especially with the mm-hmm. younger generation. As I say, the, if you look at the men's health magazines and that kind of thing, um, the, the pressures on our young people. It's interesting, actually. It's funny something I was working on quite recently. Um, the number of cases of anorexia in young men. Oh, that was yeah, that was that, thought to be a girl's problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's becoming equal. You get equality between the two. Do they are there similar numbers? Like, it's not uncommon the gymnasts who need to keep a, a low weight 
in order to perform? Um, is it that sort of thing? Are these very athletic young men? Not necessarily. No, these are people who've decided. It, it seems to seems to have peaked from and since COVID. Mm. It seems to in, in the common cases I've come across in the studies I've been reading. I must make that clear. This isn't patients or clients I've been seeing. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the studies I've been reading about, this has been young people who, as we know with anorexia in particular, it's about the control and it stems from mm -hmm. the COVID times or the thinking that that's all, everything is pointing in that direction. Let me put it that way, mm -hmm. that it stems from the COVID era. Your eating habits were one of the few things you did have control over during lockdowns and things. Right. And it, it, that seems to be the catalyst for it, for this sudden up jump um where you've got almost parity between um young men and young women now um i mean when i was reading that study I, that that was the one thing that shocked me that anorexia is the mental health condition with the highest death rate yeah yeah that that surprised me <laughs> um because one i mean a, a lot of people think of anorexia as something dietary it's not it's a mental health condition um, but also it's the one with the highest death rate percentage wise. Yeah. That should can just to be picky, it's anorexia nervosa, which is yeah, anorexia nervosa, yeah. Anorexia yeah. means loss of appetite. And yeah. You can you can have that. Nervosa is the other bit. Yeah, same as bulimia nervosa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my dear, you you are gonna have to go off and, and do things, are you not? I am, yeah, <laughs> I am. I am delivering a course, helping people to be mental health first aiders this evening. <laughs> Are you going to be able to tell them how, how useful hypnosis is whilst you're there, or you just do it on the QT in the coffee room? I've got to tell them how, <laughs> I've got to tell them how wonderful CBT is. <laughs> and, and other it's not bad. Available. <laughs> yes, and other therapies are available, exactly. It's not that CBT is bad, and, no, and no, there are several, several CBT providers who also use hypnosis. Mm. There are so many ways that you can... Absolutely. I, I just think hypnotherapy is a kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind and very of very fast when it's yeah. when the the client is cooperating, when you've got the right fit between client and therapist, mm. it, yeah. it can be incredibly fast. It just reminded me of a funny thing. One of my clients said to me who'd been having CBT for 18 months for their issue mm -hmm. and then came to see me and I explained how hypnotherapy works. And she said, this challenging my thoughts just didn't work for me. Because I don't want to think about them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> but she did. She did well. She yeah, just, oh yeah. She did, yeah, yeah, brilliantly, yeah. brilliantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just have to be able to join the thing. Anyway, my dear, yeah. go about your day for the day, and and um, I'll see you. Well, I will undoubtedly see you before next week, but we will definitely see you next week. And we will have a guest on next week's episode, won't we? We will indeed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. See you next week. Bye bye. bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.